It was called a brouhaha, and it started because you decided to tweet about coffee, <laughs> Pastor John, coffee. Uh, on September 30th, you posted a quote from Hebrews. Of course, a chorus of Hebrews jokes followed that. But that text, Hebrews 12.28, is no joke. It's an anti-joke, actually, a very serious text that raises questions about the tone of our Sunday gatherings. Hebrews 12.28 says this, quote, Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, end quote. And then he followed that text with a comment, an, an open question is what it was, not a statement, just an open question, quote, can we reassess whether Sunday coffee sipping in this sanctuary fits? End quote. A provocative question, for sure, especially here in the States, where Sunday mornings can be a pretty casual experience in a lot of churches. Um, your tweet very quickly got loved, and it got hated, and it got spread all over the internet, like things tend to do that are both loved and hated. And after a couple of weeks, it had 1,000 retweets, 1,500 comments, 3,000 likes, 2.7 million views, and sparked feature articles from Fox <laughs> News here in the States and the Daily Mail in the United Kingdom. I, I, didn't, I didn't see any of that, no Tony. Way. I did not see one retweet. I follow my 100 people, and those people are all nice people. <laughs> so th this was all news to me when people said, have you seen what happened to your tweet? I said, I have not seen anything. Legend. Nor to this moment have I. <laughs> so what you're saying is I'm taking your word for it. All right. Well, all of that is true. And I mean, thousands of people loved what you said online too, just to be clear, thousands. At least as many people loved the tweet uh, as hated it. So not knowing if you saw all the responses, and I assume that you hadn't, honestly, uh, I gathered up a dozen or so of the themes that I saw online, and uh, I sent you a digest of responses to see just if you were willing to jump in and address this hot-button topic further. And you said yes, so here we are. Uh, I, I doubt this will be one episode. Uh, likely it's going to be a series on transcendence in our Sunday worship. We'll see where it goes. But let me just start the conversation by simply asking, now after seeing this huge response online, um, or here... <laughs> hearing about it, and reading a digest of some of the themes of, of what people were saying in response that I sent to you, uh, what is your response? Let me try to get right to the heart of the matter. The heart of the matter is not coffee in the sanctuary. That's only a symptom, and there are lots of other symptoms of what I'm concerned about. The heart of the matter is the absence of an existential, ongoing, terrifying, shocking, awe-inspiring, trembling, mouth-shutting, comforting, safe, satisfying encounter with the majesty and mercy of the great I am who I am, mm. whose son said, before Abraham was, I am, and he was killed for it. What's missing is a kind of experience of God that shapes a person's entire life with serious joy, glad gravity, sweet sorrow, the weight of glory, the kind of experience of God that has transformed reverence and awe, those two words from Hebrews 
12.28, reverence and awe from being mere words into being the profoundest of experiential pleasures. And, and all of that, I say all of that without denying the preciousness of the ordinary, the down-to-earth, the everyday, the casual, the kiss-your-baby-on-the-cheek life that we live most of the time. I'm not calling the preciousness of any of that into question when I talk about what I'm so concerned about here. I'm pleading for the kind of experience of God that makes a person hungry for regular encounters with God and His people, which capture and embody something of His majesty, something of the infinite scope of His boundless power and inscrutable wisdom and furious wrath and sovereign grace that leave the awestruck soul speechless with thankfulness, and then overflowing with the praises of serious joy, lofted on the wings of the kind of gladness that soars only in the atmosphere of the grandeur of God. That's what I'm after. It's what I so long for myself and for others. So I'm arguing that many Christians have not tasted this existential, terrifying, awe-inspiring, trembling, mouth-shutting, comforting, safe, satisfying encounter with the mercy and majesty of God. And therefore, when they hear me question (laughs) the appropriateness of coffee sipping in a certain atmosphere of reverence and awe, they have no experiential categories to grasp what I'm talking about. Inside their experience of God, nothing is more natural than to meet Him in worship, coffee mug in hand. It's just so natural. What's Piper all worked up about? So the heart of the matter is not the coffee mug in hand. It's the absence of a kind of experience with God that would make a Christian soul long for regular encounters with God and His people that are so profoundly satisfying in the depth of their being with His majesty and His sweetness, in the seriousness of their joy and the weightiness of His glory that a coffee mug would simply feel strangely out of place. So let me, let me try to shed light on what I'm saying by simply putting two kinds of Scripture side by side. The one that I quoted in the tweet is from Hebrews 12. Let me give the context. Here's what it says. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. That's God. For they, the Old Testament Hebrews, did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth. Much less will we escape. If we reject him who warns from heaven, at that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more will I shake not only the earth, but the heavens. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and let us 
offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. (laughs) That's really serious. And so God says in Isaiah 66, 2, this is the one to whom I will look, says the Lord, the one who trembles at my word. Now, that's one dimension. Here's the other dimension. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me. This is Jesus now. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I'm gentle and lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. God is our friend. He's our Savior, our Shepherd, a person with whom we can relax. Yes, be close, be casual. Yes, we can. He will meet you in your pajamas in the middle of the night. Yes, he will. I know that from a thousand experiences. So my concern is that in the last 40 years or so, the evangelical church has put so much emphasis on the casual, the intimate, the come-as-you-are, the accessibility of the gentle Christ, that two unfortunate things have happened. One is that this emphasis has morphed into a pervasive form of entertainment-like worship with an atmosphere of chipper, funny, lighthearted, cheerleading, so that nothing would feel more natural than to grab your drink and join the party Mm. as we go into the worship space. And, And the other effect is this lopsided emphasis on the casual approachability of God is that the kind of existential encounter with the majesty of God that I'm talking about has become for many people inconceivable and therefore undesirable. And the irony of this <laughs> is that I'm really a low church kind of guy. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't think the solution to this problem is the embrace of a prescribed formal liturgy. I think that approach to corporate worship does not provide enough freedom and is too vulnerable to sounding like empty rote recitation. I think the way forward is not rules. I think the way forward, in fact, when I think about rules, I don't think that in 33 years as a pastor, I ever said anything to people about bringing drinks into the sanctuary, uh, yeah. pro or con. I don't think I ever mentioned it in 33 years. The, the heart of the problem is, is not the absence of rules, but the absence of reverence. Hmm. So the way forward is, one, a fuller, deeper vision of God. Two, a more God-centered, serious, passionate, Bible-saturated, whole counsel of God preaching. And three, a worship leadership that fosters an atmosphere of sustained, God-focused, experiential gladness and gravity with minimal distractions from our radically vertical orientation. So maybe next time, Tony, we could go there. We could try to get more nitty-gritty practical for pastors and people about how they can move 
a church away from inappropriate casualness in worship towards something better. Yeah, let's do that. Thank you for this response, Pastor John. Uh, The heart of the matter is not the coffee mug in hand. It's the absence of a kind of experience with God that would make a Christian soul long for regular encounters with God and his people that are so profoundly satisfying in the depth of their being with his majesty and his sweetness, in the seriousness of their joy and the weightiness of his glory, that a coffee mug would simply feel strangely out of place. Wow. And I know, I know some of you are listening and you're like, there's no actual way that Piper didn't see such a huge response to his tweet. And actually, I can believe it entirely uh, because I vividly remember ABJ62 way back in 2013, uh, about almost 11 years now. I asked him if he reads and studies his comments on social media. And he said to me, no. And he explained why. Check that out. APJ 62. It's an oldie, but an essential episode for understanding John Piper. And if you want to ask Pastor John about his tweets, other things, anything, type out your question and email it to me at askpastorjohn at desiringgod.org. That's our email address, askpastorjohn at desiringgod.org. Into the nitty gritty of how to build this reverential vibe into our Sunday morning gatherings. What's up next? I'm your host, Tony Ranky. See you Thursday.